Good morning, guys. My name is Zach. I'm the missions pastor here. And uh, one of the things that we've been blessed with over the last, I guess, almost 30 years that we've been involved is uh, partnering with some of the churches in Serbia. And so one of the things that we get to do is we sometimes we get to have some of our friends come up here and share a little bit about what God's doing um, in their neck of the woods. And so our friend Misha is going to share a little bit about what God is doing in Serbia. And then Daniel Haley is one of the elders, and he'll be praying for us after. So, yeah, good morning, church. It's uh, really beautiful being here. I love it being here. It's not my first time being here, and uh, I've been hosted by the beautiful Stankovic family, and I, I love Portland, and I enjoy Portland, especially uh, yesterday, those 10 minutes that it didn't rain. I really love that. <laughs> it, it, was, it was great. But... Um, God is at work. God is alive. God is amazing. You know, and I get to be part of what God is doing in my country, among my people. So I am Roma. I am married. I keep forgetting to mention that. My wife's going to kill me, so I got to do it. I am married. I have two kids. But 1996, my dad, who was a communist at the time, uh, he had my mom and my brother, older brother and myself, and he was working for the government. He was a, he was a communist. He hated God. In his mind, in the government's mind, it's communism. There isn't a God. God's dead. And, and at that time, um, my brother got sick. And long story short, they would take him to one hospital, second hospital. And then we ended up in Belgrade, which is the capital, and in the institute. And it turns out my brother has cancer. At the age of, at the age of 10, I was six. And that it spread all throughout his body. And we tried chemotherapy, radiation, everything there was. We tried everything. And then the results that came at the end, doctor came and said, I'm really sorry, but, you know, just take the kid home. Because he's not going to live for more than a month. You know. So my parents brought him home. My dad started going crazy. My mom started going crazy, you know, speaking to the walls. My dad started having all of these strange dreams of how the funeral of my brother is going to look like. And he goes, I don't want to be there. I don't want to see that. My wife is going crazy. When my older son dies, I have a gun. I'm going to kill myself. And that was his decision. He didn't tell this to anybody. And, and at that time, you know, the church... Was, it's, it's communism. You know, the church is kind of underground. You know, you, you're not allowed to worship God. And my, my dad is obligated by the law that if he sees any kind of religious activity, he'll report it to the government. And at that time, some of the believers from the church, very courageous people, came, knock on our door. And one of them said, you know what? We know that you're a communist. And we know that you are you're going to report us. You will be reporting us to the government. But let me just say this. If you allow us to pray for your son, my God will heal your son from cancer. If you just allow, I mean, that, that takes bravery. Hey, Because he said, you know, we, we can end up in jail, but if you allow us, we'll pray for your son and he'll be well. He'll be healed and cancer spread all throughout his body. He was on bad lost all of his hair, doesn't eat. We're just waiting for him to die. And my father said, okay, if your God can heal, you know, 
I'm all ears. I'm, I want to hear about that. So they came in, went on their knees, shortly just prayed, laid hands on my brother, prayed for him. The moment they end up the prayer, he started feeling better. He started eating again. His hair started coming back. Okay, so one week, two weeks, a month, my mom started going to church, you know, and she would say, oh, you need to come with me. Something is happening. He's, he's not dying. He's feeling better. Okay, let's take him back to that main hospital where we did all of the tests. So they go back to the hospital in Belgrade. They do all of the tests again. And the doctor who did all of the tests, he comes up and he says, please, you got to give us a little bit more time because... The machine is broken. It's something, something is happening. You know, something's, we got to do the tests again. So they go and they do the tests again. And he gets all of his doctors, you know, everybody that know what's happening. He brings them all into his office. He calls my parents in and he goes, okay, you have to tell me what did you do with the child? Because he shows these were the results. Cancer all throughout his body. He's dying. But now... Somehow, there isn't a cancer cell in his body at all. He's completely well. So what did you do? And he goes, did you, do, do you believe in God? Do you go to church or something? Which is a dangerous question. But my dad says, yes, we go to church. We believe that our God healed our son. And then the doctor says this. says, you know, this is something that men cannot do. Only God can do something like this. Completely healed, completely healed. And today, my dad is a pastor of one of the largest churches in the country. And, and God is good. My brother, who was healed, he's working with the youth. He's married, has two boys, twins. But church, I just want to encourage you, you know, by supporting what God is doing and by supporting uh, Elsie and Mia and the Stankovich family and the movement. You know, this was the first Roma church in ex-Yugoslavia. Out of this church came more than 50 churches today, but also churches in Croatia, Sweden, Germany. You know, God is doing amazing things, visions and dreams. We were Muslims. A lot, most of the people that came to Christ came through either a supernatural healing or visions and dreams. They would see Jesus and they would, they would knock on our doors. And say, Sorry, I'm taking your time, Bill. But man, <laughs> get excited. Yeah. But man, you know, we would have people at 5 a.m. that would knock on my dad's door. Muslims. And they would come and say, I just saw a man in a white. And his hands were bleeding. And he told me his name is Jesus, and he said, go and speak with, with Sheriff. He will tell you about me. And I came to, it's 5 a.m. in the morning. Tell me who that Jesus is. And my dad's like, okay, he's got the password, Jesus. Now, I know, I know what, what to do. God is, God is alive. God's not dead. God, God's, God's amazing. But I want to thank you, church. You've been part of this. You've been supporting what God is doing among my people in my nation. And finally... Please, if you want to get a little bit more sun and some nice barbecue, come to Serbia. You'll enjoy it there. I promise you, and you will see what God is doing. Thank you very much, Hajj. Well, I can't argue with the sun part in Oregon, but I will stand by my statement that I made first service is I think I can beat you in the barbecue part. Let's see. So. Let's see. If you guys don't mind standing, and if you feel comfortable, if you can reach your hand for it. 
God, thank you for our brother Misha, and thank you for this beautiful testimony that he's able to share. God, you are a healing God, a provider. You love and you care for your people. God, thank you for this testimony that only you can do. Thank you for Misha and his brother and his family and his dad who's able to start a church and for all those churches that have opened, God. God, we pray for continued blessing for Misha in Serbia and what you're going to do in there because you are the only way, the truth and the light. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's close in prayer. <laughs> Misha loved it. Um, it's been so fun. Uh, I've had a chance to go spend time with Misha a few times in Serbia and, and uh, encourage pastors and leaders there. And it's so fun to have him here um, because we're, we're kind of like brothers and sisters in, in, uh, in faith family, just separated by... Um, a massive body of water, but um, it is uh, great to have them here. And I also wanted to let you know, uh, Christmas Blessing, which um, you saw in, in the loop, uh, Tyler talked about it last week, and we started the first week of opportunity to give a generosity to Christmas Blessing, and we, in the first week, um, half of the goal was raised. So that is so awesome. And so we're praying that we can be a real blessing to um, families in our, not only in our church who are having a tough season, <clears throat> but in our community. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, uh, yeah, and thanks uh, to, let's see, Jack and Tyler for teaching the last couple weeks. I've been away. Um, actually, I've been hunting. And, uh, and so if you'd like to see pictures, talk to me afterwards. <laughs> Because I have some, finally. Um, <clears throat> anyway, we, we are in a two-week little thing that we're calling Pro Tips. In, <clears throat> it's a little <clears throat> excuse me, point between series. We just finished our um, My Circus, My Monkeys, uh, talking about God's plan for the church and how he wants us uh, to live and function together. And then we're going to go, in three weeks, we're going to go into our Christmas series, which is about how do you have peace during the Christmas season? And so we'll hit, you know, the different aspects of, uh, you know, having margin in your life and anxiety and finances and <clears throat> those things that can rob us of our peace during the time where we're celebrating peace on earth. So, um, so looking forward to that. But these next two weeks are individual, you know, um, standalone topics that we're saying, okay, it's, we'll do this every once in a while. We did some last year called Pro Tips, and it's just on, on um, okay, how, how do we function this way in a way that's honoring to God? Or what does this mean? And so today we're going to look at how do you discern God's will in your life? I mean, we make plenty of decisions, and so... How do you do that? I mean, there's all kinds of ways. Do we, uh, does God just, um, does he always speak to us in dreams? Does he, uh, do we do the magic finger test, you know, where you get your Bible and you just kind of open it up and go, boom, there's the verse, you know, Judas hung himself. Whoa, I don't think that's the verse for me. Um, 
<clears throat> but how do, you, how do you discern God's will in some difficult decisions in life? And then next week we're going to, um, it's titled, In God We Trust, Even in an Election Year. And so, you know, how do we keep our focus um, where God wants our focus to be when we're in the sea of noise um, and hostility and, you know, our, our heart can go to things where, um, where we make a decision, but we also place our hope in it. You know, here's the hope for our city or our state or our nation. And so how do we keep that straight in our mind? And... Um, so we're going to do that next week. <clears throat> so today is you're making lots of decisions in life. Some of them are very important. <clears throat> Some of them are more about, you know, what are you going to uh, choose to wear? Where are you going to park? Um, what, uh, what are you going to have for dinner? And then there's things like, where should I go to grad school? Who should I marry? Should we have kids? Should we have more kids? How do we handle our finances and investments? Um, you know, big decisions. You know, what doctor should I go to? Lots of decisions in life. And so how do you sense and how do you discern um, as a follower of God, you, you want to listen to God. And so does he care all about that stuff? Um, does he have a right choice in all of that for me? Like what decision or like what parking place do I park in? Is there a God's will for me in that? Um, or does he just care about the big stuff? Or how does that work? And so we're going to look at that uh, today. And we're going to start by looking at Romans chapter 12. And uh, the book of Romans is kind of a unique book. <clears throat> uh, actually, it and Ephesians. There's a bunch of letters in the New Testament. Letters written by apostles or people who were influenced by apostles who um, are now reaching out to these new churches, these new, newly established churches in Asia Minor, in, in Europe. And one of those letters is Romans. Now, all of the letters except Romans and Ephesians are dealing with problems. There's a problem with this church. There's a problem in the churches of Galatia, of Galatia or there's a problem in the church of Corinth. And so I'm gonna write you a letter and, and uh, address that problem. Well, Romans, He's not addressing problems. He's just saying, I'm going to give you some big truths about God and yourself. I'm going to let you know um, how great God is, and I'm going to write about that. But I'm also going to let you know, as humans, what's our biggest problem? What's the biggest thing in our life that separates us from God and really separates us from our, from our origins? Because he's saying God created the heavens and the earth. God created you and the biggest problem is that we've been created for a relationship with God, and yet our relationship is messed up. And so it's taking us back to kind of our origins and saying, ultimately, for us to be who God created us to be, we need to be in a right relationship with him. And so that's the beginning of the book of, of Romans. And then it goes into, um, here's who you are as a result of what God's done for you and sacrificed and lovingly, graciously offers forgiveness to you to bring you in a right relationship with him. Now, as a result of that, here's who you are. Then it goes into, okay, now does this new reality of, of our redemption, our hope being placed in Jesus Christ, does it wipe out all the promises of the Old Testament? Has God deserted the Hebrew people? 
the Jewish people. And so, um, so he deals with that. And he says, no, he hasn't. This is just part of God's ongoing redemptive plan. It's still at work, and he has not turned um, from his promises to the Jewish people. Then he ends up here in chapter 12 saying, now, as a result of all of this truth, the first 11 chapters, here's how you need to live. Here's how you need to live. So let's look at that. Verses 1 and 2 of Romans chapter 12. I appeal, or I beg you, therefore. So therefore is a big word. It's saying, as a result of everything we've talked about, now, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So I'm going to pull <clears throat> three different thoughts out of these passages today as he's talking about, okay, now as a result of all God's done for you, um, your biggest problems, God's solutions to that problem, God's goodness to you, now live this way. And the first thing in discerning God's will for my life is I need to be in a place of total surrender to God. Now that sounds big, and it is big, because it's, it's saying I'm going to God not because I need to add him onto my life. My life is pretty good, but I need to develop the spiritual aspect of my life and just bring that part into my life too because I got these areas under control and now I need, I need God in my life. And that's kind of how the Roman people were dealing with gods in their life because they had thousands of gods and they had hundreds of temples. And so it's like, okay, I, I need to make it better financially. And so I'm, I'm in agricultural business. And so I'm going to go to the God that will help my crops grow. And I'm going to bring a sacrifice and say, God, would you help me with this area of my life? And so I, I, I go and I say, I give you this. Now bless me in my crops. Or I have, a, uh, I have relational issues. And so I go to a God of relationships. Or I, I, uh, I want to have, I, I'm, I'm not being fulfilled sexually. And so I go to a God that would sexually um, fulfill me and, and, and so I'd sacrifice something to that God and there were gods that I mean basically you went to the temple and and there were basically temple prostitutes there for you and so there was they, they covered everything and so you would go to a God and you would sacrifice something so that you can get something added to your life this is turning that upside down Paul saying you're the sacrifice. God is the God, big G God, and you are not. And so you need to have a right perspective of who God is and who you are. And as a result of, I have a good God, and he's proven his love for me. And he is the God of the universe, the God that I've been created to have a relationship with, and yet um, I'm selfish. And he's made a way for me to be forgiven. And he wants me, I have no right to be in a relationship with him. But he says, that's what I've done for you. And I want you to, uh, to be my child. And so my response is I surrender to him. I, I'm not asking you to add something to my life. I'm asking 
you to accept my life. And I wanna follow you because you're God, you're huge, you're all, you're all powerful, you're transcendent, and I am just a little broken person. And so I come to you humbly and, and I give you myself. And so, you know, you, you, you bring an offering to a temple, you put the offering on the altar, the offering gets consumed with fire. Offering does not say, okay, after being on the altar for a while, yeah, I, I wanna get off now. And yet that, that can be our mentality. It's like, I give you myself, I put myself on the altar, but then now I'm, I wanna do what I wanna do. Oh, now I need to submit. Oh, now I need to do what I wanna do. Oh, now I'll surrender. And God's saying, no, this is all consuming. You surrender to me. You understand who I am? You surrender to me. That's the first thing he's saying. Um, what does it look like to understand the will of God? You surrender to him, all right? So that's, that's number one. Second thing is in verse two, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may be discern the will of God. And so this is saying you surrender yourself to God, and then you do not allow yourself to be conformed to all the values and the thinking of the world, but you allow yourself to be transformed by what God said is true. So discerning God's will for your life means aligning your life to his declared will. Um, and in process, as, as you start to follow God, you will start learning more about who God is and what he says who we are and how we are to live in a way that we are meant to flourish. And what does that look like? And as soon as you start getting into that, you're gonna find out that uh, some of those things do not line up with what our culture says. And so he says, you wanna know what God's will is for your life in all your different decisions? Well, you're not gonna know with any confidence if you're not aligning yourself to what God's already declared is his will. And so, Submit to him, learn his truth, and follow him. Align our lives to his declared will. Um, it's kind of like, and I'll use this a couple of times today, but it, it's, it's, um, it's a sports analogy. And it's like, okay, if I want to be um, a football player and I want to really excel at my craft, well, one of the things I really need to know are what are the rules of the game? And if I'm gonna be high school, I need to know the high school rules of the game because they're different than the college rules and the, and the pro rules. <clears throat> and so what are the rules of the game? And that's what God's saying about, you wanna know my will? Here are the rules of the game. Stay within these rules. Fa align your life to my rules, okay? Because this is how I created you and this is how you're gonna flourish. Even when you don't think it, because a lot of times you start learning what God's asking of us and how we are to live. And it, it tell you, it makes me uncomfortable sometimes because it's not, it's not coming naturally. It, it is, um, God, you're asking me to do something that actually people around me don't have a problem with. Are you asking me not to do something that people don't have a problem with? And it's like, okay, who am I surrendered to? So it says, do not be transformed or conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Proverbs 16, two and three says this, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. I, I get that. I can justify just about anything. And I can use truth to justify myself doing wrong. 
because my thinking's not all wrong, but I'm distorting some truth in order to do what I want to do. All the ways of a man are pure in his own own eyes, but the Lord weighs his spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So this is saying, man, I I am, um, how how do I get transformed by God? Well, one of the ways I get transformed is to grasp on to what he says is true and to expose the lies that I'm believing in. Okay, now in our lives, a lot of times we think, okay, I know I did wrong there, and so I need to confess that to God. And so we confess our actions, our wrong actions, to God. What this is saying is we need to go deeper than that. And we probably did some wrong actions because we were believing lies about ourselves or about God. God, I, I, I'm in circumstances right now where it's not good, and from my perspective, you don't care. Because um, you're not doing anything about it. You're not helping me get out of it. You're not, you know, it's not getting better. And so I'm gonna take things into my own hands because you don't care, or you see it, but you're powerless to do anything, or maybe you're just too busy. All of those are lies. All of those are lies that lead to wrong behavior. And so I need to confess those lies that I'm buying into, and then I need to say, what is true? Well, what is true is God sees me. What is true is he's never left me. I'm never alone. What is true is he'll walk through this valley with me. His his presence I can experience even in dark seasons. What is true is he can give me wisdom in the midst of this. What is true is he can give me comfort even in pain. I mean, those are all things that are true. I need to replace the lies I'm believing with what's true about God. And so in our own lives, in order to understand what the will of God is is in our lives, we need to recognize what are the lies that we're believing. So how about in your life? Maybe, Maybe there's some things in your life that you know that you've done wrong and they aren't right and you know it. And um, what lie did that get birthed out of? What lie would you know better? I know better than God in my life. I know most things in life, you know, God says this and this and this, and those things are generally true, but for my specific situation, in my case, um, I need to do something different. Well, what am I believing? I'm believing that my truth's better than God's truth. And I know more. And so that's, that's a lie. And so I need to confess that to God and claim what is true. So I surrender to him, I align myself um, to what is true. Now, um, I'll give you an example, an illustration. Um, There's been times in my life and my marriage where um, I didn't like my wife. And there's times in our marriage where she didn't like me. And, In that time, I could think, well, I picked the wrong one. Um, You know, so it's it's God's will for me not to be married to her because I picked the wrong one. Because obviously, if I picked the right one, we wouldn't be having these problems. But God's declared will says, uh, no town, you're being a selfish idiot. And my will has been declared for you. Love your wife sacrificially. 
You mean get my eyes off myself? Yeah. Sacrificially, I have a list of things that I would like her to do for me sacrificially that's kind of bugging me that she's not. And he's like, no, love your wife sacrificially. And Kathy's thinking, God says, love my husband and respect him. And I'll be the first to tell you that uh, she doesn't have, um, you know, a bunch of evidence that says he's respectable. <laughs> but love your husband, respect him. And what that does is that puts us in the will of God. When I start saying, I need, I need to start believing what's true about me and who God created me to be. And as a husband, I need to love and sacrifice for my wife. What does that do for me? Well, it changes me. And, and if you're both in that journey, it changes both of you together. But sometimes, I, I know that, you know, it, it takes two. But you can be in the will of God and be struggling in a marriage and God can be growing you up as a result of you following him, even in cruddy circumstances. And I know, man, for some in this room, I know in your heart, you're, you're, you're doing the internal eye roll. You know, it's like, I don't wanna go there, Bill. You don't know who I'm married. You don't know what's been going on, how I've been treated. And let me just, first of all, saying, if, if you're in an abusive relationship, then get safety. Um, you can get a restraining order, you, but you need to get safe. And then deal with your marriage after that. But first of all, get safe. Um, but for the rest of us who are in marriage, and we like it to be better, then align your life to God's declared will. Now, Kathy could have married somebody else. I could have married somebody else. And I believe I could have married somebody else and been in the will of God. I think I, I could have aligned myself to be obeying God and married somebody else. As soon as I married Kathy, then it was clear she's God's will for me. But I married her when she was young, so she didn't realize she had options yet. <laughs> so there's a little wisdom there for some of you. Okay? Um, but we surrender and we align our lives to God's will. Okay, now let me just tell you uh, kind of the bottom line perspective I have regarding how do you discern the will of God. Um, by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Here's what I think. Discerning God's will for your life means understanding it's more of a lane that I live in than a bullseye on a target. Okay, I can align myself to God's will. I can surrender to him, not perfectly, but as a pattern of life. And then I think I, within God's will, I have room to maneuver. It's like knowing the rules for football. Okay, I'm coaching a team. I, I need to stay within these rules, but I can come up with a plan of attack about how I'm gonna maneuver within those rules. I got lots of options. For this upcoming game, we're gonna run the ball. We're gonna take time off the clock. We're gonna keep the ball out of the hands of the opposing offense, and that is our game plan. 
It's more of a game plan than a, a blueprint. Okay, blueprint, you have, to, you have to follow every detail. A game plan, you maneuver within the lane that God's given you, which says, here's my declared will. Now, if I'm coaching a football game and all of a sudden, you know, they run the kickoff back, they, uh, one of our first plays, we, we, on third down, we throw a pass, they pick six it, and then we get back to our game plan, and we start running the ball, and then we fumble, and they get it, and they score another touchdown. We're, we're down 21 points at the end of the first quarter. I start thinking, okay, I need to change my game plan. I need to start getting more aggressive on defense and blitzing, and I need to uh, open up the offense. Okay, so I'm still within the rules. I'm still within the rules of the game. And in our life, I think I could have married somebody besides Kathy and still been within God's declared will. Once I married her, it was clear, this is God's person for me. Now, th now this makes some people uncomfortable because you know, it's like we pray for our kids and we pray for their future spouse and then it's like all of a sudden they get married, it's like, okay, you're the one I've been praying for. And it's like, okay, you are V1. But think about this for a second. It, let's, let's say I married Kathy, but Kathy was God's will for somebody else. And I just did what I wanted, I married her. Now I got her and somebody else is out there and, and they don't get God's will for their life. So they pick somebody else. And just think of the mess I created. I created a mess all over the world with, with the person that was meant for them and, I, and, we, and they're all stolen now. See, it, it, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. But I think God says, hey, you, you have a brain I've given you. You have my declared will in which to function in and use your brain. And uh, said, man, you know, he says, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Wow, because I could be really selfish. Yeah, but you're operating within God's will. You're not being selfish. You're going after me in my will. And I'll give you the desires of your heart. So what's your desires? What do you want to do? You pray. You listen to God. You, you seek godly counsel. And you follow that within the freedom that you have to maneuver within God's will. Are you following me? Making sense? Um, I had a thought and I forgot it. <clears throat> oh well, God's will. All right. Um, you know, there's sometimes in life, and, and, and it can happen often, and as you, as you learn to develop the habits of listening to God in your life, you'll get um, more guidance from God w w about specific things. But there's other times where you'll have lack of clarity. It's like, I can go to this school or this school, and they're both of them, man, they seem equally good to me. Well, you know, make a decision, and I think you're within God's will either way. Um, sometimes God gives you such a conviction about something that's not within his declared will, but you, you feel like this is, he just, sent, he just sent in a play from the sidelines, and he's saying, run this play. And uh, that, that happens to me a lot. I mean, my, the last few years, as you know, um, I've been getting this growing sense that, uh, you know, my season of lead pastor at Rolling Hills um, is coming to an end. And it's not because I'm outside of God's will. I feel like I'm in God's will. I feel like I'm, I'm, in, I'm loving ministry. I'm enjoying what we're doing. I'm enjoying you. I'm enjoying seeing what God's doing. But I also sense there's gonna be a time where I need to pass the baton. And I wanna do that in a place of health. I wanna do that when things are going good. I wanna do that when you still like me. 
you know, and I still like you. I don't want to do that when you're saying, Bill, pass the freaking baton, okay? I mean, I want to do that in a place of, man, we're doing good. We have a, we have a culture and a soil here that is, is good, and the next person can come in and flourish in that. And so that's one of the things I feel like God's just given me a conviction that, yeah, we need to start that process. And it's not that, okay, this is only God's will. We have to do it only in this time. But it's like, no, I'm sensing this. It's the time. Okay. And, and the elders didn't say, hey, Bill, it's the time. I said, I think it's the time. And they're saying, what? And I'm saying, no, think about it. I think, I think this is a good time. And they said, okay, man, we're with you. Let's do this. And so God leads in our lives in his undeclared will, but we listen to his spirit, we seek godly counsel, and then we make decisions, okay? And so that is what I think um, is how we discern his will. And the most important thing, I mean, here's a couple questions. Some of you have visions for your life, and you're thinking, I feel like this is, I feel strongly about this vision. Well, is it God's vision for your life? Well, how do I know? And I thought about how can I, you know, where are some questions that you can kind of think through <clears throat> to help discern, am I in God's will? Am I, in his, am I in his lane and is pursuing this something that is in his lane for me? And so the first question I already, I already asked you is, um, can you pursue this um, and be confident while you know there's something he's asking you to stop or something he's asking you to start? And I'm saying if we're not, if we're not aligning ourselves to his declared will in our life, then how much confidence can we have about decisions outside of his declared will? And I'm saying you want to have confidence, align yourself to his declared will. Start what he's laying on your heart to start and stop what he's laying on your heart, heart to stop. Um, do you have to do something shady or wrong or questionable now in order to bring about a greater good. I, I, I need to get here. If I can just get here, it would be great. And so I need to do something that is probably not the best. Then I'd say, don't do it. Um, maybe that is God's will for you, but the timing is bad. I Man, I think of Moses. I, you know, all examples in the Bible, but Moses is one of them. And he knew that, that God... <clears throat> Um, had placed him in a unique place in Egypt, in Pharaoh's household, to be um, a deliverer for his people who were in slavery. And one day he uh, saw one of his people, Hebrew people, being beaten, and he stepped in and he actually killed the Egyptian who was beating these slaves. And then he thought, well, this might be the time because the Hebrew people are gonna see that I'm their deliverer and that I'm stepping in on their behalf. And instead, they were fearful of him and said, are you gonna kill us too? And that led to 40 years in the wilderness. Now, his long-term vision was correct, but the timing wasn't right. And so for you, if you're tempted to like, I need to do this, just a couple of you know, dodgy things here, but the result will be really good, then I'd say don't. Don't. Timing's not right. Don't do it. If you're married, um, to pursue your vision is it going to hurt your spouse. 
Are they not on board? Then I'd say, timing's not right. Don't do it. Um, does it hurt your kids? And I know sometimes we do things that we know is right and it makes the kids unhappy. You know, I'm getting a transfer. I'm going to take another job. We're moving out of the city. Um, and, the, and, and sometimes those can be okay. But that's a factor that you consider. Um, if it goes against or ignores God's wise counsel, it's probably the wrong time. Go to some people that you respect who are wise and people who have a heart for God and say, Here, here's the decision I have to make. What do you think? And if they're aligned in a different way than you're aligned, then I'd say, man, uh, you, you need to have something unique that you're convinced why God wants you to do it. But I wouldn't go against, I, I was trying to think in my life, what are big decisions I've made that's gone against the wise counsel around me? And I, I don't remember a lot of them. Because God says, go to wise counsel. And uh, that makes you wise. So in your journey, and in thinking about decisions you have to make, What's your biggest issue in discerning the will of God? Maybe it's stopping something or starting something that he knows clearly God's. Maybe it's you need to surrender to him. It's like you've been in control, you've been at the steering wheel, you think you know better than him and you believe in lies and you need to repent of that. But what is it? And then for some of you today, maybe you've been approaching God and knowing, I need more of God because you want to add him to your life. And you're recognizing today, no, I need to surrender to him. He's God, I'm not. I've been playing God. And I need to confess that and surrender to him. And I want to give you a chance to do that right now. <coughs> and you can pray with me. And so just bow our heads. And if that's where you're at um, this morning, then... <coughs> Pray something like this. God, I uh, surrender to you. I've been seeing, seeing you as a nice add-on to my life, as something I want to get from you to make my life more full. And I recognize um, you know, that, that's arrogance, that's pride. And so I humbly submit myself to you and I sacrificed my life for the life that you gave me and created me to be. I thank you for pursuing me and I ask for forgiveness. And God, now would you begin helping me to know you more and know your declared will for my life. Just grow that conviction in me to want to align my life to you. and help grow me up, help transform me into the person you want me to be. I thank you for that, Father, and it's in your son's name I pray, amen.